Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Welcome everybody, Thursday afternoon, it is High FM, Fresh Thinking, as you've just heard, you're with Rabbi Shishla, and we're together until just before the top of the hour. Wow, 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 what a time that we are going through at this stage, as if COVID wasn't enough, and all the fear, the concern, the unrest that's going on around us, I mean, things have certainly settled a lot over here in Gauteng, but I think people are still feeling very overwhelmed and feeling very nervous. How are you feeling? That's a question, and I'd love you to just share. Just share. How are you feeling at this point in time? Remember how it works. To message Chai FM, to message me directly, 34519. That's the SMS line. You can also send telegram messages on 0618-951019. If you haven't yet worked it out, here's how you reach us via social media. On Twitter, it's at ChaiFM or me at Rabashish. And on Facebook, it's either my Facebook page or the ChaiFM Facebook page. But I'd really like to know how people are feeling. Just a moment ago, we had that a cappella song that was playing in the background. Be brave, be strong. It feels like it was very well chosen. So, uh, Craig, good on you. Uh, well done over there <laughs> for choosing such an appropriate song. Because I really think that that's what we are dealing with right now. We need to be able to be brave and be strong. And I know for many people there's a heightened sense of anxiety, not only because of the burning scenes that we're seeing in our country, the horrible looting, the allegations that this might be orchestrated from some kind of higher sources. You know how it is. People will spread information and much more quickly spread misinformation. So there's all of that going on. And then, of course, there's a Jewish community who always tends to be just a little more, shall we say, uh, neurotic than anybody else. Add to that the fact that we know it's now the nine days of Av. Frightening time, actually, tomorrow specifically, the 7th of Av, and then the 8th of Av, and the 9th of Av, that's the apex of tragedy in Jewish history. All of the worst things that ever happened to our nation somehow gravitate to this time of the year. And people are very afraid. Just the other day, somebody said to me, you know, I've got an opportunity, business opportunity. It's come up, Dafka, during this week. Am I allowed to pursue it or not? Am I allowed to look into it? Because we're all told that this is a time. You don't start new endeavors. It's a time of, so to speak, bad muzzle, if there is such a thing. And there's a question for you, by the way. Do you believe that? Do you believe that certain times of the year have different muzzles, sometimes are more positive muzzle and sometimes are less positive muzzle? I'd be interested to hear your views on that one uh, as we go into this conversation. But there's definitely a sense of angst, generally speaking, across the country, as there is specifically in the Jewish world. Oh, my, it is all playing out during the course of the nine days. How bad is this? How bad will things be? Uh, <laughs> okay, I've got to be careful over here, right? Because am I making predictions? Not necessarily. Carol would like to know, will this end after the nine days? It's a great question. It is part of what I'd like to chat about today. It's an excellent question because if we assume that all of the tsaurus, all of the difficulties are associated with this period of the nine days, and for those who are not familiar, here's the historical background. We're in the beginning of the Jewish month called Av, or as we like to call it, Menachem Av. And the first nine days of the month are associated with all kinds of historical tragedies that happened to the Jewish people, most notably the destruction of the first temple by the Babylonian Empire, 
and the destruction of the second Jewish temple by the Romans. So those were very significant tra tragic events in our in our communal history, and then add to that a whole lot of other things that happened with people being killed, the beginning of the Spanish Inquisition. In fact, the the event that sparked the First World War also occurred on the 9th of Av, and various others as well. So at this time, everybody's very concerned. But once the nine days end with the fast of Tisha B'Av, which is going to be on Saturday night and Sunday, it's a just over 24-hour fast. After that, there's the sense of the turning of the energy and things are supposed to improve. So Carol has a great question. Will this end after the nine days? I wish that I had that kind of a crystal ball. Or more correctly, in Jewish, in Jewish context, I wish I had the, ever heard of it? The Urim Vetumim, the breastplate that the Kohen God or the high priest used to wear in the, in the temple had these beautiful stones, 12 stones, and they could sometimes communicate messages from God, the way the stones would light up, each stone had different lettering on it, and that could communicate a message. So I wish I had that kind of an oracle that could tell you it's going to end on this particular date, and then everything is going to be fine. Don't have that answer, can't take that responsibility, but I do believe that what we should, and what we certainly can do, but we should do, is to just try and get a Jewish perspective as Jewish people. How are we supposed to respond when all around us it appears as if, oh my, there are such horrific things happening? Well, first of all, perhaps one of the good places to start would be what they call a news fast. Ever tried it? It's really healthy. Had an interesting conversation probably close to two years ago now in our shul. You know, there's a time warp. You don't remember when things happened, but it was definitely BC. It was before COVID. And we had this conversation in our shul. People were saying, you know, you have to read the news. You have to be abreast of what's happening, current affairs. It's really important. If you don't, who knows what's going to happen? And I said, yes, what is going to happen? What happens if I don't watch the news? What happens if I don't read every single social media post on a particular event? What is going to happen? Interesting, right? For a start, what will probably happen is I won't have as much anxiety in my life. Because the reality is that when you read everything that everybody has to say, especially those who claim to be experts, like the WhatsApp that I got the other day, and I'll admit publicly I actually fell for it. Usually I don't. But it was basically saying that there's this individual, and he used to be part of military intelligence, and this is his assessment of what's going on in the country right now. Simple Google search by one of my friends who pointed out to me that I'd fallen for it showed that this fellow had nothing at all to do with military intelligence. But by the time you get that information, it's already done the rounds. You've seen so many messages. You're not even sure anymore what is fact and what is fiction. So a news fast. At the end of the day, that's the first thing that would happen to us if we decided we were not going to follow every bit of news as closely as we tend to do. We were news addicts. Somebody actually said that a little bit earlier today we've, we've become news addicts so instead of paying attention to the things in our lives that are really important to us like our own families we tend to pay attention to everything that's going on around us and not to say that it's unimportant it is important this may very well tell us about the future of our country it might yet at the same time to get caught up in every soundbite of every news report is probably unhealthy that's the reality so that would probably be the first thing, news fast. Now, this person who brought this up in shul whenever it was said to me, but Rabbi, you have to know what's going on in the world. You're a communal leader. You have to be abreast of what's happening. Sometimes you have to guide and advise us on what's happening. And I said, and I still believe this quite strongly, 
Don't worry, the news that I need to know will come my way, and I'm sure you'll know that yourself. There'll always be people who will share with you the information that is important to know. You probably saw the communications from CAP about please don't spread misinformation, because at the end of the day, that's what people do. I heard something. It sounded like it was dangerous, nerve-wracking. There's not going to be any food or whatever the case might be, and it spreads. So if we limit ourselves to trusted sources, that's probably a good place to start. But this isn't a conversation around how do you manage your anxiety levels and how do you practically handle the deluge of news items, even though I do think it's valuable for us to know. This is a question about how does a Jewish person look at what's going on in the world? This is fresh thinking. The whole goal of this show is that we throw ideas around. Nothing here is cast in stone. I'm not going to claim to be an expert, a political analyst, somebody who understands exactly the machinations of what goes on in the echelons either of government on the one hand or of the corrupt forces on the other hand. I don't know. So we throw around ideas over here to try and see things from a different perspective. And that's the goal. Because if we can shift our perspective, remember, if you keep looking at something through the same eyes, you're, number one, unlikely to ever find a solution to it. And number two, if what you're looking at has made you feel overwhelmed or made you feel down or made you feel that things are falling apart and the wheels are coming off, then you're going to have a really difficult time getting out of that unless you can shift and see things through fresh eyes. So perhaps that's something that we could do over here together today. So if you've got an insight and you've got a particular perspective that you could share that was helpful to you or that you heard from somebody and it just said made you think, whoa, whoa, hang on a second. Maybe we're going about this all wrong. Maybe I've thought incorrectly about what's going on. Maybe I've overreacted. Anything like that, anything that was calming for you or insightful for you, Please share it with everybody else because at the end of the day, it will help. We're all in this together and if we can inspire each other and we can encourage each other, that is a mitzvah in its own right. To be able to give people the sense of confidence, of optimism, of joie de vivre, it's good, it's important, it's something that we should try to do. So if you have an insight for or on that or how to be able to shift people's perspective or something that worked for you or an epiphany that you had, something that you read, please go ahead and share it with us. I will tell you this. Earlier today, I posted on social media, what today in South Africa has inspired you? And you want to know how many responses I got? No, you don't. Because I think people are caught in a collective sense of doom. Now, I'll share with you, please God, during the course of the, the discussion here today. I'll show you some of the things that inspired me. But what has inspired you? Let's start with that. What in our country today has inspired you? I'd love to hear. 34519 if you want to use the SMS route. Otherwise, social media is alive and well. Twitter at Chai FM or at Rabashish. Facebook, either my page or the Chai FM page. And of course, you can always use Telegram. 0618951019. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Today, talking about what's going on right in our backyard. Here we are living in South Africa, trying our best, I think, to make a run of it, to make a success of it, to be optimistic about it. And then something like what happens this week happens and we are shaken to the core. I think many, many people were really not expecting this. Many people were very shaken by it. Many people are disappointed perhaps in the leadership, the country's response, maybe, I don't know, you'll tell us how you feel. 
So how do we lift ourselves? How do we create a fresh perspective? This is fresh thinking. That's what we do. Try and see things from a different point of view. So my question to you was, what have you seen in South Africa today or yesterday, whatever, that has inspired you? Here's Mike. Mike says um, via Telegram, simply seeing regular people stand together to say enough, no looting here. You know, it's so interesting. I had to go earlier today. I had to go, unfortunately, to the cemetery. We're very much in the COVID third wave. I think we feel it strongly in our community. So unfortunately, I had to attend a funeral today. And on the way there and on the way back, so the route has all these different posters of the headlines of various newspapers here in Joburg. I don't read the newspaper. So it's always interesting to go down the road and read the headlines and just kind of get a sense of what's going on in the country. What was fascinating about it is that you had two different publications with completely different headlines. The one publication had a headline that went every few meters on the poles, and it said, food shortage looms. <laughs> and when I read that, I thought, uh-huh, that is exactly what media does, right? We want you to buy the paper, so let's make it sound like life is really frightening, and you better find out about it because maybe you need to stock up or maybe you need to... Uh, do something differently, and, and, and you're going to be that by the paper. And the other publication had a headline that said, um, I can't remember the exact words, but it was something along the lines of, South Africans stand up to or say no to looting. And then that second publication had another headline, which was all about the cleanup work, how people have come forward to, to help to clean up. Now, you get to pick your attitude, right? You get to pick your perspective, just like the two publications chose. What is it that's going to sell to the man on the street? Is it a story of doom and gloom? Oh, my gosh, we may run out of food. Or is it a story of humanity? Look at this. People have come together, and there are magnificent scenes coming out of this country. I think if you look around of people across the spectrum, of all the different groups, whatever particular ethnicity, whatever particular religion, see people together, cleaning the streets, standing up to protect property. It's actually quite inspiring. So you get to choose, right? You get to choose which perspective you're going to look from. It's a choice that we have at all times in our lives. Judaism is very much into free choice. And the free choice that we have is how to see things. We don't get to choose what happens. We certainly don't get to control others, but we absolutely do get to choose and to control how we're going to look at it. I think that's an important thing. There's a Facebook group. I don't know if you're on it. There's a Facebook group called Rebuild SA. One word, Rebuild SA. It's a volunteer group that was put together. It's magnificent. Go look at this group. It's fantastic people just coming together. How can I help here? I have this particular service that I could offer. I'm in this particular area. Who needs things? I, I want to donate. It it's really quite something to see. Quite something to see. And you see, uh, here's one picture. I'm just looking at it right now as we speak. One picture from Tembisa. Shout out to Clean Environment NGO, helping to clean up the community. There's another one. Uh, in a different part, uh, Meriteng, I don't know exactly where that is, people coming together to clean up, and so on. It's a great post over there that the army might have been deployed, but the real heroes live amongst us. That's the attitude. I'll tell you something interesting that happened right at the beginning of this week, which I think is also important for perspective. And that is, and by the way, don't think, don't think that I don't also have my moments. <laughs> don't, don't think. Remember, we get to choose how to think. 
You understand how important that understanding is, how that appreciation, that perspective? I get to choose how to think. That means I don't automatically think the right way. I don't automatically have a healthy perspective. I have to learn how to do it. I have to work with myself. This is a very fundamental principle of Judaism. I don't automatically have the answers. I don't automatically have faith. I don't automatically have optimism. It's easy to be optimistic when life is good. It's easy to be optimistic when somebody can show you the way. The challenge is to work on ourselves, to have the sense of optimism in difficult times. I know there will absolutely be people listening to this who will say, Rabbi, get a grip. It's over. Time to pack your bags and get out of here. And I, I can't tell you what to do with your life. By all means, if you are absolutely guaranteed you're going to have a better life somewhere else, okay, Gesundheit, I don't believe that. I don't believe we live in a world today where everywhere is idyllic except for here. There's plenty of stuff that any person has to deal with wherever you're living in the world, which brings me back to what I was going to say before. So right at the beginning of this week, um, we were speaking to a family member who lives in Minnesota, Minnesota in the U.S. of A. And in the course of the conversation, we said, you can't believe what's going on over here. There are riots in the streets here in South Africa, riots. And this individual family member who lives in Minnesota said, so new. <laughs> what, what do you think we've dealt with multiple times over the last year? It's not absolutely unique. We're living through incredibly difficult times where people are on edge and many people are down and out financially. And I'm not excusing it. You cannot excuse criminal behavior ever under any circumstances. Don't get that wrong. I'm not excusing it. But the minute we believe, as we often do, because we live in our bubbles and we very much define ourselves by the things that are going on around us, we forget what happens in other places in the world. And I had an interesting thought. I have no real psychological scientific basis for this thought, but it's interesting. The thought is that you get two kinds of people who get involved in civil unrest. You get people who are involved in civil unrest opportunistically. That means to say, hey, everybody else is helping themselves to stuff. I'm going to loot as well. doesn't necessarily mean that they are fundamentally criminal. They just, it seems to be accepted at the moment. And again, I'm not excusing it. I'm just showing one kind of a psychology, and then you get a different kind of a psychology that is fundamentally criminal that says we want to create mayhem. And these are the people who always orchestrate these things and then disappear off into the shadows and somebody else gets arrested for it. So these are the people who, you know, create a, a criminal element or they have a malicious intent. You know what's interesting about it? People who have malicious intent, very often you can see it. One of the ways that you know that a person has malicious intent is they obscure their face. So if a person suspects that they may get involved in something which is intentionally against the law, you'll often see that they mask themselves, right? The classical bank robber walks into the bank with a mask on. And so if you look at some of the rioting that's happened in other places around the world, very often you see that people have their faces covered. We didn't really see that here because realistically, most of the scenes that we're seeing, I'm not talking about people who torched and did malicious damage to property, but most of the looting that we're seeing, it's not, I don't believe, with malicious intent, like you might find in other places in the world, where police are targeted as the people we're going to attack, or organizations that represent the government are targeted as a place that we're going to attack. I think we need to make that distinction at the same time as we make the distinction, or at least we make the comparison to say it's not absolutely unique what's going on in our country. At the end of the day, though, at the end of the day, we have to appreciate 
that it's not good enough to sit here as we often do and say, yes, but somewhere else also has problems. <laughs> there are two sayings in Judaism. The one saying is that when you share your difficulties with other, with others, a shared difficulty is already less of a stress on the heart, which is true. And yet there's another saying in Judaism which says when you believe that others are suffering and therefore your suffering is less, that's a foolish position. At the end of the day, suffering is suffering, no matter how many people are involved in the suffering, right? So that's just something to consider. But, so my point is not to sit around over here and say, yeah, well, other places are bad as well. We need a way to think. We need a way to think. And if you've got insight, if you, as I said before, if you've got something that has inspired you, to me it's been a little disconcerting how Few people are willing to share something, not just now in this context, but generally through the course of the day. I've tested it in various media. People don't want to come back, maybe because they don't want to be seen as naive. People don't want to come back and say, oh, I, this is what inspired me. This is what, where I see positivity. But I think we should try to find it. If you've got something, please go ahead and share it. There are people who could benefit if you've got a way to keep your chin up. Go ahead. Tell us all about it. SMS 34519, Telegram 061-895-1019, or of course, the social media channels are always open. If you've just joined, it is Fresh Thinking, just halfway through the show with Rabbi Shishta. We're together until just before 3 p.m. talking today about what is going on in our country. Not This is not a news show. This is not a political analysis. It's just simply asking the question, let's get a fresh perspective. How can I find something which is upbeat, uplifting, something which is positive about what's going on in our world right now or where the light is at the end of the tunnel. Mike says, it's amazing that the Taxi Association Santaco has done so much. They cleaned up the center of Durban and other places. I actually saw just a little earlier today that the Taxi Association in Chuane said we will stand up to protect properties against looters. Phenomenal, don't you think? Because so many people have such a negative attitude towards the Taxi Association. So that, I think, is amazing. So positive. Carol says, perhaps this is how poor, ignorant people show their anger towards those who have stolen and squandered 500 billion rand meant to help them. Probably true and probably um, understandable, actually. When you look around and you say, hey, people have done so much damage to our future, to our, to our potential. Yeah, I could absolutely hear that. You know, it's interesting to me. Somebody said this the other day. Uh, I did mention to you, you know, like some people are, oh, my gosh, it's the nine days. It's such a terrible time. And these bad things are happening in our country. Well, at the same time, somebody said to me, and it's, it's very much the same theme. Somebody said to me, don't you think it's interesting that on our calendar, this is the time we commemorate the burning of the temples. The first and the second temple in Jerusalem were burnt to the ground. Isn't it interestingly ironic that we're watching places burn, big warehouses, trucks, you know, things that are incredibly important for people burning to the ground. You know, how, how, how does this not line up with this time? I mean, it does. It absolutely lines up with this time. And that is something to think about. Something really fascinating to think about. What does God want? Not just in this particular scenario. I do have to say something and I'll probably repeat it again later. People often say to me, come on, Rabbi, and they don't just say to me, they say to many of us, particularly in the Chabad world, because we're so gung-ho optimistic about this country, and people are like, what? What are you talking about? I love speaking to locals who are so optimistic about the country. They're like, what are you talking about? There's no future. 
Look at, and they always say it, look at Zimbabwe. Well, listen, uh, Zimbabwe is Zimbabwe, South Africa is South Africa. You know, we're not the only country that neighbors Zimbabwe. And in the same way, we're not the only country that's different to Zimbabwe. So I don't know why necessarily what happens in one country has to necessarily affect what happens in another country. But the point over here is there's something absolutely unique about this country. And that is, from my perspective, in this country and from every Religious Jewish person's perspective, I believe, and certainly from every Chabadnik's perspective, there's something very unique about this country, and that is we have a blessing from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, a man who was direct, if you want, the Moses figure of our generation, a person who was not just a righteous individual, but somebody who, who told us things that were going to happen in the future, as the Rambam describes, that there are individuals who are endowed with the opportunity to tell us what's going to happen in the future, and it happens. And he consistently reiterated how positive South Africa would be for us as a community and as a Jewish community specifically. I think we have to keep reminding ourselves of that because you don't need the guidance and brocha of somebody at that level of spirituality for a place that it's obvious that things are going to turn out right. You need it when it looks like it's not going to work. You remember very well when Moses took the Jews out of Egypt and they stood at the edge of the sea. They thought, that's it. You promised us and now we're all going to drown. And then they didn't drown. But you think it stopped them complaining the next time? No, they complained again. feels a little bit like that in this country. Every few years, we always get some voice saying, this is it. It's now going to blow. We've managed... All the previous crises, but this one, this is the crisis that is going to take us out. And I don't know, it's somehow we're a miraculous country. You can go emigrate anywhere in the world that don't believe outside of Israel that you're going to live with the kind of miraculous coming back from the edge that we consistently experience over here in this country. Personal opinion, and I think many others would agree with it as well. What's interesting, though, is that this time of the year, when we think about the destruction of the temple and we think about God burning the temple down, it always coincides with the Torah portion that we're going to read this Shabbos, which is where Moses turns around to the Jewish people and he says, here's where you messed up through the course of 40 years in the desert. These are the places, these are the circumstances under which you messed up. You were given this gift and you complained. You were given that opportunity and you lost faith. And so it goes. For the last of the five books of the Torah, there is a tremendous amount of rebuke from Moses to the Jewish people. And what's interesting about it is that when he rebukes the Jewish people, their commentaries, the sages, the Midrash, and the foremost commentator on the Torah, Rashi, quotes it too, says, if you want to understand what was going on over there between Moses and the Jewish people, there's a wonderful metaphor or parable that we could use. It's the metaphor of a king. And the king takes his son because the son needs medical attention. And they've got to travel quite far in order to get medical attention. And so he takes the son and off they go and they, they go to get medical attention. On the way back, the father reminds him, remember there, that's where we slept. Remember there, that's where we cooled off because it was, uh, you know, it was a particularly hot day or whatever the circumstance or you had a fever, whatever it was. Remember there, that's where your head started to bother you. And the Midrash says that's exactly how it was with Moshe and the Jewish people, Moses and the Jews. It tells them, it says, remember all these places? That's where you got upset at God and it turned out to be unwarranted. I think it's quite relevant for what we're going through as a country, as a nation. We tend to get upset and it often please God, turns out to be unwarranted. Um, and I think that's something that we should unpack. Again, if you've got a thought, you've got a perspective, by all means, go ahead. I'd love to hear what you have to say. 
This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Talking today about how do we keep a an optimistic perspective on what's going on around us. I did ask you if you could share things that have inspired you. Here's an anonymous SMS that somebody sent in to say, Township re- residents now opposing looters, protecting properties and helping to clean up. It, it, it really is something to see, you know, when people realize that it, it's just not on and you can't behave this particular way. I'm, I'm in the middle of telling you a story of, or a parable at least, that the sages relate to this week's Torah portion where Moses rebukes the Jewish people before the end of his leadership and how it's compared to this king who takes his child on this journey. The journey is for medical attention and on the way back, he says to the child, remember there, that's where we slept. Remember there, that's where we cooled off. Remember there, that's where your head started to bother you. And there's a very profound mystical explanation to that parable, which is quite relevant. It's relevant to the story of the destruction of the temple that we as a Jewish nation will mourn on Saturday night and Sunday on Tisha B'Av. And it's equally relevant actually to any circumstance that seems to be overwhelming and so negative. I think if we were not dealing right now with the looting and unrest in this country, we'd have the exact same conversation in the context of COVID because the message is equally relevant right across the board of all of these circumstances. So we know that the words of our sages are very carefully weighed and very carefully chosen. If the journey through the 40 years in the desert and specifically the issues that Moses has to rebuke them over are compared to three different states, we slept, we cooled off, and your head started to bother you, you must know that all of those things are relevant and significant. So let's try and unpack it and see what's going on over here. The first thing you have to know is it's a journey for medical attention. That's the story that we're told. It's a journey for medical attention. Nobody likes to go on that journey. When last did you say, yes, dentist, can't wait, it's in the diary, I'm off? No. Uh, If it's a journey for medical attention, we prefer to try and get out of it. Perhaps we can procrastinate a little bit. Perhaps we can delay it a little bit. That's human nature. Nobody is rushing to surgery. Nobody is rushing to have a procedure done. So that's the first thing. Journeys for medical attention are not necessarily early or easy journeys. So what makes it easier? What makes it easier is who's taking you. If a child has to go to the doctor with the parent, it does help a little bit. I think that's one of the great challenges of the COVID time is people having to go to hospital alone. That isolation is terrible, absolutely terrible. So here's the father. The father's taking the child. And that's something that the child has to remember. If there are parts of this journey that I don't like because they're uncomfortable, maybe even painful, I have to remember that who's taking me on this journey? My father. Why? Because my father actually knows things that I don't know about what I need and about what the outcome should be. And if I can just interject parenthetically into the story, it's not in the story itself, but it is parenthetical. We did not choose to be born, or even if you weren't born here, if you chose to to immigrate into this country, you didn't necessarily choose to land up over here. As King David says in Tehillim, God directs people's steps. We think that we make choices. We actually do make choices. Yet, at the end of the day, there are all kinds of external circumstances that influence our choices that we actually cannot manage. So whether it was people trying to escape from Europe during the Second World War, and the boat that you got onto was a boat going to South Africa. That was the boat that you could get onto. You didn't know what South Africa was. You didn't know what it offered. You just got on that boat because you're trying to get out of Europe. 
And by the same token, you have people, for example, who maybe meet somebody in life and marry that person. They come from a different country, and that's how you land up in a different country. God has all kinds of ways to orchestrate that we land up where we need to land up. Now, that doesn't mean you're stuck in a place for the rest of your life, but it does mean that you, if you're in a place, the first question you have to ask yourself is, why does Hashem want me here? Why did God decide that he's dumping me in Joburg and not Boca? Why? What does he want? And if we don't ask ourselves the question, it's unlikely that we'll ever make the correct decision about where we should land up. So we're all on a journey. The journey is not of our own making. Certain nuances within the journey are our decisions. But the overall journey generally is exactly what Hashem wants for us. And he's the father taking us for medical attention. Now, why don't I see that? Why doesn't it feel that way? Why do I have such an overwhelming sense of being abandoned by God rather than being guided by God? And of course, there are people who tell you, I feel very guided by God, and that's wonderful. And you'll equally have as many, perhaps more people who say, I feel abandoned by God. Why? Why do we feel that way? So there's the first clue. On the journey, he says, let me remind you, that's where we went to sleep. Imagine if you met a person for the very first time while they were sleeping. Imagine. Met a person for the first time, they were fast asleep. Imagine that. <laughs> how would you engage with them? How would you interact with them? You'd say, listen, I, I don't know anything about this person. They're sleeping. How am I supposed to engage with them? How am I supposed to interact with them? When a person sleeps, their real abilities are hidden. So in order for Hashem to run the world in the way that he chose, the way God wants to run the world is that we should be able to have free choice and we should be able to do things because we've worked to do them. So to do that, he, so to speak, goes to sleep. He says, okay, let us together have a sleep state. You're not going to see me. You're not going to see my hand pulling the strings, making things happen. Unless you're really looking hard, you're not going to see it. So the first part of the journey is we have to realize that he has designed our world in such a way that we will always feel alone until we learn to see things differently so whatever's going on in our life we will feel alone if it's covid if it's an economic downturn if it's the nature of what's happening in your specific circumstances or whether it is the rioting in the streets of Gauteng or KZN it's always going to feel oh my gosh the world is out of control until i learn to see things differently which brings us to the next point. The next point he says, but I cooled off that experience. In other words, it could be very intense. The sense of loneliness, the sense of abandonment could be so overwhelming and so glaring that you might never be able to claw your way back. Now, that would be a really uncomfortable and unhealthy place for a person to be. Can you imagine a parent who wants the child to become independent. And we have to do that. A responsible parent will do that to your child. Push your child to independence. But you can't do it too immediately or too firmly or too absolutely because at the end of the day, the child's still going to have to come back for guidance and for advice. So you cool that experience. Cool it off. Okay, I'm giving you your free reign. I'm giving you the opportunity to move forward. I'm giving you the sense that you're on your own. But I don't want it to be that frightening that you can never find your way back. So the second part of the story is the king says to his child, remember, we got to a point where you felt that I was asleep. You felt that I was disengaged. But remember, I also cooled it off. Every once in a while, I threw you a little inspiration. Every once in a while, I did something that was undeniable, that you could tell it was really me, that you could tell that I was still there. You could see that I was still watching you. And that's what keeps us sane. 
So we have to open our eyes, as I started off at the beginning of the show. We have to look for the things that are going to keep us sane. We have to look for the things that will keep us positive. We have to look for the, and I believe this absolutely, look to the fact that 90% of the population of this country are holy, decent, good people. And remind ourselves of that. So there will always be a fringe element in every society. If I look for the good, then I don't drown in the overwhelming sense of, oh my gosh, I've been abandoned. One more point. We'll come back to that in a second. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So we're trying to get our heads around how to stay somewhat positive with all the chaos that's happening around us in the country. Let's be clear about it. When we say all the chaos that's happening in the country, it wouldn't be correct to say the entire country is in chaos. In fact, we probably at this point are seeing more scenes of people coming together than we are seeing scenes of chaos. In any event, so we've got this midrash, this insight into this week's Torah portion, which says our journeys in life, which are all reflected by the journeys the Jewish nation took in the desert, are all guided by God. He has our best intentions. It's like the father who's taking his child to get medical attention. But things happen along the way. The father recedes a little bit into the background. You're on your own. You've got to do this. You're strong enough. But then he doesn't leave us altogether. He comes along, throws us a lifeline and says, I'm still there, still watching you, still got your back. But the thing is this, that it says, the third part of the parable is, this, the father says, is where your mind started to bother you. Your mind, that's what happens. We overthink. We overthink. We try to... You know, prognosticate, try work out what's going to happen, try to predict, and that's when we start to tie ourselves in, in knots. This time of the year, the time of the year, which is when the Jewish nation mourns the destruction of the temple, is called in Jewish literature a time of a festival. Now, you would never think that a day of mourning is a festival, but that's how Jews look at it. That even in the worst times, there's an opportunity for, please God, in the future, please God, in the not distant future, for rejoicing, for joy, for goodness. Out of every chaotic scenario, goodness can, should, and please God, will come. And that's our choice. Our choice is to make the goodness come. It's like the addict who hits rock bottom and at that point realizes, wow, I really need to do something with my life. Maybe, maybe we're hitting that rock bottom as a nation. Maybe this is a time to open our eyes. Maybe this is like the old parable that is used in Jewish mysticism of the two wrestlers. And when the one realizes that he's in trouble, that's when he starts fighting back really hard. Maybe the corrupted forces in this country are starting to feel the pain, the pressure, and that's why they're throwing everything they've got. Who knows? We don't know exactly how this is all going to work out. But what we do know is that we should remain optimistic and trust that this is a blessed country. Our Rebbe blessed that this country would be a good place. God has blessed this country. It will be a good place. Please, God, we should see that goodness. There's a wonderful SMS I got here that says, ultimately, God will guide us as he did Moses and the Israelites. You just have to believe Please, God, we can keep our heads. Please, God, we can pull together and show that there is more in this country that unites people than there is that destroys property. And that's an important way to look at it, that there's more that unites people than what destroys property. And please, God, as we go into this special Shabbos, the Shabbos that blesses Tishabav, the Shabbos that is called the Shabbos of vision and insight, we should have the vision and insight. And please, God, Hashem should turn all the negative in our world from the local to the international into positive 
And we should please God be blessed with the coming of Mashiach now. Have a great Shabbat. Stay safe and stay sane.